You are now listening to the Lifelong Learning Defined Podcast with your host, George Valenzuela. This is education coach George Valenzuela. Welcome to the Lifelong Learning Defined Podcast, where I provide all educators, whether instructional leaders or teachers, tips on how to be their best both personally and professionally. Now let's get into it. In this episode, I'm interviewed by my good friends, Krista and Craig, on the SEL and EDU podcast, where we discuss our favorite comedians, my journey as an entrepreneur in education, and some of my goals with my new company, Instructional Innovation Partners. I hope you love this episode and share it with your colleagues and friends. Didn't you go and see a comedy show? Uh, I did. My husband and I love Gabriel Iglesias. And so we went to see him last night and he was hilarious. He never fails. Uh, My sister-in-law bought us the tickets. And so we're walking in. It's this huge center. We are fourth row in the center. Like I could have touched him. A long time since I've been to a comedy show live. And so when I saw that you uh, shared that out in the world, I was like, that's pretty dope. Yeah, it was definitely um, a great experience. Again, it just reminds me of how laughter brings people together. And I think, Craig, that is something that you are so good at. So who are your favorite comedians, if you don't mind me asking? Well, you know, are people like, well, who's that wonderful voice there? Uh, you know, who is just, you know, filtrating all of this warmth and and love and, and, and zeal into the uh, radio waves here? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we should introduce you, and I will make sure that we actually answer uh, answer your question, sir. Uh, Krista, you want to go ahead and introduce our guest? So our special guest with us today is George Valenzuela. He is an education coach, author, and advocate. And I have been following you on social media now, like since... Craig, let us know that you're going to be on. And I am loving what you're sharing. Um, you are really out there in the world, like promoting really amazing work. And friends, I need to tell you, we're going to put the resources. And so George's website has resources on all of the different topics that he presents on. And so everything that's listed here, you can book him for and talk to him about Um, He is the lead coach at Lifelong Learning Defined and provides professional development on behalf of ASCD, Corwin, Instructional Innovation Partners, Premier Speakers Bureau, and Solution Tree. He has authored several books and guides and is the host of the SEL in Action podcast on BAM Radio Network. And so we have a fellow SEL in podcast member with us today. George, thank you so much for being here with us. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, I, so I have to, you know, I I have to say like I absolute fandom because one to, you know, have, uh, you know, I'm, I'm one man of color who I respect so much and you have changed the game in ways that I am hopeful for. And for me, I've, I've, if I'm being honest, I've seen few men of color who make STEM accessible, relatable, personable, and you do it with such grace and you're always authentic and humble. And I was like, okay, I don't know. I'm like, you know, George is out there in the world, like he's doing big stuff. He's all he's international and booked. 
And to when you said yes, I was like, what? <laughs> blew my socks. Well, look, look, look. Blew well, my socks off. All right, no, no, no. So, you know, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson said that you should never be too important to be nice. You know, to be a nice person. So I'm one of you, you know, Craig and Krista. It just so happened that I've been fortunate to make a breakthrough. But what you're seeing online right now was 15 years in the making. We could never look at a person and be like, whoa, look at what they're doing. You know, you have to know their story first. And I don't think there's a person that we wouldn't love and we wouldn't understand if we found out what their story is. So I know you have your questions down, but I, I'm encouraging you to make this a podcast for your listeners and ask the questions that they want to know. Mm. Yeah. Make it about that. Well, okay. I think that's important because when we first came up with this podcast, we're like, what are some questions we can ask people? And honestly, I don't know that we've ever really asked them because we hear the uniquenesses that the guests bring and we feed off of that. And so, um, and you bring so many great uniquenesses here, like Craig said, with STEM and PBL. And I'm like looking at your SEL strand there and pieces. <laughs> um, but you, you asked Craig an important question and I'm going to bounce that back to you then too. So okay. we were talking about comics <laughs> and people that we like to listen to to make us laugh. And so, Craig, I'd love to hear um, who your favorite comics are. And then, George, do you mind jumping in and sharing as well? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, so I love Kevin Hart. Um, absolute respect uh, for Kevin Hart. Uh, I was listening to a podcast that uh, he was doing uh, with The Breakfast Club. And so he talked about um, he has evolved from where he was before. And how he is um, continuing to invest in others at this point. He has done the things that he set his sights on. And now he's actually creating space and time for other projects and other people. And how important that investment is into folks. And so for me, I have a great respect for Kevin Hart. I also uh, respect like uh, comics like Samore. Because I grew up on Samore as a comic as well. George Lopez. Um, and, and a host of others who make it so uh, can talk about the things we all are thinking about, mm. but they say it and they push it out there. And so I really appreciate uh, some of those comics that I've named and more. Yeah. So I want to piggyback off Kevin Hart. Um, I spent since 2014 till around 2019, like right before the pandemic. I spent a lot of time on the road. And by the, between that time, between that time, I went to 25 states and over 70 cities in our country. I just wasn't known because I was delivering three-day workshops, you know, PBL workshops. And in those workshops, I got to learn a lot about um, all kinds of teachers, you know, rural, inner city you know, big city, small city, high performing, low performing, you name it. And along with that and my previous experience as a central office admin, and we did a lot of learning walks where we visited all the classrooms, 
I got to know all the spiraling standards in the content areas. So around that time, something inside me was telling me that I need to do this and that it's important that, that, I, that I be in classrooms and I meet all these different people and that I'm learning education in many different contexts. And I had fear, anxiety, you know, not sure of how I was showing up in different spaces. I was always rocking out, but I always had a lot of anxiety. So one of the things that I knew is that I needed a mentor. And I read a quote by, by Bill Gates. He said, if you don't have a mentor yet, you have to read the books of the people that have already accomplished what you accomplished. So I haven't met anyone that has accomplished what I want to accomplish, but th there's a lot of successful people. So I got the audio book. I can't make this up. The, the um, Kevin Hart story. Mm -hmm. And what's so inspiring about him is that when he couldn't make it in Hollywood or in SNL, he basically went on a seven year tour of the country doing stand up for 2,500 a show. Very similar to my story, you know, going around the country. And by the time he pulled up in Hollywood again, he had 10 million Twitter followers, MySpace followers, and it became so crazy that he said that when he got into Hollywood and back to SNL, it's almost like they couldn't say no because saying no to him was hurting their brand. Mm -hmm. And not only that, he brought his team with him, Red Cup Boys, and they mm -hmm. became a writing team where not only do they help him write, but he, but they write for other comedians and they write movies and stand up and they now have their own businesses. Mm -hmm. So that's very inspirational. And I heard the book like three, four times. I'm a big fan, but who I really love is Martin Lawrence. Man, when I was in college, well, mm -hmm. high school and in college, right? Like, like in college, all the reruns were on. I would record it on VHS. Remember VHS? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. And I would come home after class, you know, late at night and after hitting the library and I would just watch the episodes. And it's amazing that. My two children that are now 20 and 17 love Martin as well. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. Kevin Hart talks about the fact that uh, Martin Lawrence is one of the most underrated uh, comics, but is one who made careers for uh, tens of other comics. Uh, also, so, man, brother, man, right? All of them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Morgan, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, Martin just ran out of gas. Mm -hmm. You know, he was living fast and living hard. But in my opinion, he had the greatest sitcom ever, in my opinion. Culture you know? shifting. <laughs> yeah. Culture shifting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So. Am I remembering Shanene? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Shanene. Okay. Oh, my God. Okay. I'm like... <laughs> I think, like, let me dig back in to my, yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like where he was playing multiple parts. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like every time Gina and Pam came over Martin's house, you know, Shanene would be outside and be like, oh, looky, looky. Mm -hmm. Look at the business women, you know, and then start messing with them and Pam about to fight her. It was hilarious. I used to love those shows. Yeah. 
I want to. Uh, I I am curious. You talk about Kevin Hart having a squad that mm-hmm. does uh, that has uh, that he has been working with and ha- has been uh, part of an architecture of Heartbeat Productions and Heart Nation and more. Who serves as who serves as your red cup boys? If I if I may, you know, coin that for a moment. Yeah. At this time. So right now I have my daughter working for me. Um, she does all my books. And she's amazing. She's in college as well. And she's in education. But she does things behind the scenes that I can't do anymore. And of course, I still meet with the accountant every quarter and her. And I'm making sure that everything is in order. I got my son working for me. And he's doing all my meal preps and all my working out with me. And like, you know, like helping me in that. But as far as, but outside of that, um, I'm working with, Sheldon Akins now, and we opened up a nonprofit and it's called Instructional Innovation Partners. And it's not a company that is going to focus on individuals or personalities. It's going to be a way to get funded so I can go back to all my clients and be like, look, I'm funded now and you don't have to pay for it, but I'm bringing in other people. Mm. And I'm going to bring them in and I'm going to show them what to do. Not everyone is a hybrid of business owner, writer, podcaster, um, you know, all these different things. And I understand that. But there are people that have talent. And they just need a helping hand or they just need exposure. So that's what my next thing is. And I'm hoping that by this time next year, we have our own conference. We just have our own way of doing things because we know what to do already. Mm. So there's folks like you um, and other people that I really want to partner with, learn from, and just show. See, it's not being about being a great entrepreneur or, or being a great teacher. It's that, but you also have to be a great person, a great father, a great mother, husband, wife, whatever, partner. Mm-hmm. So it's a mix of all those different things. And I'm a fan of people like Kevin Hart, of The Rock, um, Ed Milet, because these are entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. right? That they're doing all these different things, but they're doing it at a high level and they do have a team. So these are uncharted waters for me and for a lot of people. So I'm just learning as I go along, but that's my intention is to now expand that universe so that other people can do what what they want to do with their business. And by the age of 55, I will stop doing what I'm doing and then just do that. And I'm 47 now, so it's not too too far away. What? 47? Yes, sir. Yeah, out of here, man. Come on now. I'm serious. Uh, sorry, I'm not buying it. <laughs> Where do you think all the wisdom comes from, man? It's from making mistakes. <laughs> it, it's from living a long time, right? You know, raising kids. Okay, all right. I'm, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna sit on that. Go ahead, Chris. <laughs> Chris is muted. Yeah, she's, she's talking to us. She is talking to us. <laughs> I am. I'm lamenting my age. I'm like, oh, I'm 45. Huh? Huh? What does this mean? <laughs> I mean, honestly, I didn't start feeling smart until around 37. 
That's my and I didn't really know what I was doing until like 45. Mm. And, and I think I have a lot of thoughts right now. The first, <laughs> <laughs> let me go back. One of the first things um, that I really respect is this idea of partnering with people who have skill sets in ways that we don't. And I say we, because I specifically look for that as well. Like I know what I can do well and I want to work in that area, but then also partner with people who are brilliant in other ways so that we can grow together. And I really respect that, that that seems to be your philosophy of working as well. And I just read and listened to a book called The Go-Giver by Bob Berg. And he talks about these four or five principles of business. And I mean, I went to school to be a high school social studies teacher, not to have a business. And so, like you said, trying to figure out what does this look like and sound like and feel like, but understanding that it doesn't need to be this cutthroat business that you see on TV or in the movies. <laughs> it can be like this humanistic business where we're all working together because we want what's best for the world, for society, for our children. And I admire that. Um, and I, I think, too, what I'm really respecting about the work that you're doing is it's SEL infused with the academic pieces, because I think sometimes people separate that out. Um, and I think we need both of those things together. And so you're showing what it looks like to live that whole life where you're successful and promoting the academics, but also leveraging the relationships and the social emotional side as well. Yeah, I don't think schools will hire people like on a continuous basis. Like, there's a difference in doing a motivational keynote and having a long-term contract to help improve instruction. It's two different things, right? And in order to get really good at something, you, I believe that you need to be involved in an action research process where you're collecting data as you're going along and you're learning as you're failing forward, right? And you're learning all together on a team. But also, schools at the end of the day, they're going to fall back into what they're mandated to do. And you know, April, May comes, we're going back into testing. Yeah. So therefore, SEL, PBL, STEM, um, computer science, anything, any new initiative has to be weaved or integrated into instruction. And if you can't show people that, then, yeah, I think you can fill in the rest. <laughs> I'm, uh, I appreciate how you set up our conversation. So I'm going to ask some questions that are not, I've, I've not asked another guest. So yeah, you asked. Do your thing. I'm, yeah, man, do your thing, so man. I'm going to ask you because you have laid the groundwork and I feel my spirit led. So here, uh, the question I'm curious to you is, what's the most difficult decision you've had to make to pursue your destiny? Leaving my full-time job. So Leaving cool. my, yeah, that was my first one. And right now is whether or not to sever certain partnerships. For example, I have a contract with someone. I'm getting now booked through other organizations, but they're doing that for me now. So imagine 
I'm booked with someone and someone on that team is disrespectful, not really appreciating the resource or, or what we're doing together. So at times I'm like, man, do I just walk away from this thing because I don't need to, you, you know? Um, and it's not really a thing about, you know, pride. Um, it's more a thing about knowing yourself as a person and knowing who you are, what you've been through and just honoring and respecting yourself. You know, any relationship is a game of tennis. I hit the ball over the net, you hit it back. Me hitting the ball over and running back around to hit it back to myself and then running back around to, you know, catch the ball, that's not a relationship. And we all know that in education, in the home, in business, in any aspect of life, a team is not a group of people working together. A team is a group of people that are synergizing, are interdependent are interdependent, have the same goals for that business or for that work. So that's what's happening there. In the past, it was leaving my job and, you know, uncharted territory, no mentor, no one to tell me what to do. And I'm very big on my intuition. You know, Oprah said this one time. She said, whenever I listen to anyone, Man, I realized later I should have just did what my gut told me, you know, and I can't validate it, but there's research that says that if you follow your intuition, that voice inside you is there for a reason. And around 2015, I started realizing, man, I don't want to leave my district, but when I'm going out and I'm doing these workshops, I'm benefiting a lot of people. I mean, think about it. If I teach 150 people, youngsters, I I should say, 150 students, and now I'm I'm coaching 500 to 1,000 teachers a year, and they have 150 students. So let me do the math real quick. hundred and fifty thousand students you've impacted mm-hmm. times a thousand right yeah. so you know I didn't know this I didn't plan for this but my work was meant for for a bigger space now my question was well how do I gamble on that well here's my advice if your side hustle or your business is not earning you twice your overhead it means you got to keep working on it until it does. Yeah. I mean, that's like the magic number, you know, that I have found. That's the first thing. Number two, one person pointed out to me, you're not really on social media. You don't have a blog. You know, now you have to have a blog and a podcast. Any business does, even outside of education. But she told me back then, how will they know? It's like if you have a mechanic shop and it's a great mechanic shop, but no one knows about it, it doesn't exist. So if you go down my timeline, I started posting stuff with frequency back in 2015, 16, 17, and it was scary. It was intimidating. But around 2017, I had enough work over the summer where I realized, man, you're ready. 
you're ready. I was scared. I was intimidated, but I did it. And next November is five years. Five years. I'd, I'd like to go back to where you said, like, to trust your intuition, because my SEL mentor, Tom Stecker, loves to read books. And he said to me, do you know why they say that? I'm like, no. He said, we have thinking cells in our gut. And <laughs> I needed to Google it just to make sure. I'm like, I don't want to say something on this podcast, but I'm pretty sure. Um, and I just thought that was really cool. Enteric nervous system. Um and so there really is something like if you're getting that feeling, that sense of intuition, and um, but you, you're feeling moved to follow that path or, you know, here's a difficult situation like leaving that job, which I did as well 10 years ago from, you know, people are like you left, you were near the top of the pay scale, you had health insurance and you went back to be a graduate assistant. <laughs> I'm like. I just felt like the time was right and I wanted to learn. And so I really admire those difficult um, shifts because they're not easy. Um, and taking that, that leap of faith and following your intuition, because you know that there's something different out there for you. And I love your perspective on the goal and connecting with more people and thinking of what the impact can be because of the skill sets that you've developed over time and then how to bring other people along with you. And so not really a question. So Craig, I know I can <laughs> maybe kick it back over, but I'm just, I'm really thinking about what this means for educators who want to pursue other other routes because they have something different that they want to share and that it's difficult and it's a struggle, but it's not impossible and it can be done. And when you connect with like-minded people, it makes it all the difference. It's not impossible, but you have to be prepared. And what I tell people is there's a quote by Rory Vaden and he's the CEO of Brand Builders. And he said, you are perfectly positioned to help the person that you used to be. And if you think about it, if you don't know what to do with your life, if you don't know what your passion is, okay, we were put here to help others. So what? So who can I help? Well, at one time, I was a struggling teacher. Now I'm not, so I can help struggling teachers. At one time, I was an administrator that needed to understand how to help my teachers. Now that I know how to do that, that's how I can help. So what I tell people is this. We have to know the difference between joy or happiness and stress. Joy and happiness is derived from within by doing something that you like to do or love to do. And stress is also internal from doing something you don't want to do. Now that we know the difference... It's important to figure out, well, what do I like to do? And you can write it down. It could be hiking. It could be watching movies. It could be teaching. Like in my case, it's teaching and learning. It could be reading books, whatever. Now, all you have to do to be happy and to be fulfilled is to do more of that. And if you're not living in a state of happiness, of peace, I should say, or of contentment, then it means that we're doing stuff that is stressing us out. 
Now, once we have that figured out, then I think it's important to figure out, well, what's the difference? What's the difference between what makes me happy and what I'm passionate about? What you're passionate about is what you can't stop thinking about. It could be a cause that you want to change. It could be the thing that you want to be known for. It's a thing you would do for free if you had no bills. Now, once you know what your passion is, and I'm guessing that's where we're headed, you know, talking about educators, is, is basically making a goal for yourself. Like, I want to be able to do a podcast. I want to be able to write a book. I want to be on the road doing what George does, right? Whatever your, you know, goal is, I want a PhD, whatever your goal is. Well, there's two things that my action research has shown me. You have to seek advice from a tool, a resource, a coach, a teacher that has already accomplished what you want to accomplish. If you're taking advice from folks that haven't done that, it's like the blind leading the blind. Number two is monitor your energy. If your energy is positive and you're on your path, you're going to be failing more than you're succeeding. And you're going to be learning and you're going to be working your way towards your goal. But if you're not succeeding along the way and failing forward, then your energy might be negative. Or let's just say it's not really your passion and you don't really want to do this. And so you don't do it. You watch TV instead. You watch Netflix, right? But here's the thing. Set a goal. It doesn't matter if we don't know how to get there, but just seek advice from the right people and monitor your energy. Now, become an expert at your passion. Outliers is a book by Malcolm Gladwell. He talks about the 10,000 hour rule, three hours a day, 20 hours a week for 10 years. You work on something, you become an expert. And then the final step is to take your passion that's for you, that makes you fulfilled, and now flip it to help other people. And now you're walking in purpose. And if you look at the quote, you are perfectly positioned to help the person you used to be. That's if you don't know your passion yet, that's starting backwards. <laughs> Just who, who, who was I at one time? But let me help those people or someone like that. And then boom, there's your purpose. You say you, you're sharing a, a lot of gems here. Uh, and it feels very much like life class. Um, <laughs> if, I, if, I, if I lean into it a little bit more. I think that's where it's headed, man. Like, honestly, like I was thinking it was education, but I feel like it's headed some. <laughs> yeah. This, this, is, this is, this is, this yeah. is what we call soul care. This is heart work. That's you know, what I've been being asked over and over again. Like right now, like, yes, I'm doing a lot of, a lot of instructional coaching, working with superintendents. We're figuring out a lot of, you know, difficult things, uh, but people are asking me, yo, what's the game? Like, how did you do that? You know, you know, how did that happen? And you have to share it. But it's it, the right it's, thing to do. But part of this goes back to what you said. 
you have to get into the stillness. And like you have to be, you have to occupy stillness where there aren't distractors. There are not, there's no one who is rallying your time. You really have to sit apart from all and do a gut check, like do a deep soul search to get to a place of saying, all right, when I wake up in the morning, this is the thing that always adds joy and brings joy to me. Mm. How then do I amplify opportunities to enjoy and walk in that? How do I create opportunities where this can also provide the kind of substance I need? Maybe it's not wealth. It Maybe it's not the influence, right? It really is just core joy. But what I am thinking about is this question that is driving me this year, which is, or well, I have two questions that are driving me, but the question that I, that was laid before me this summer that I'm still trying to answer is what am I being called to transform mm. in my life and work at this time? Mm. And, and so that is not a question I can sit over the weekend and try to answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have to have a good index of what it is that you know that you have done that adds value to other people's lives and something you feel deeply equipped that you could do it even if you didn't get paid right and so what you're talking about makes me think about this because everyone can you can say this is my blueprint this is my d like this is here you go here is the top three things you need to do that that i'm doing that will absolutely has made me successful, whatever success is. However, they're not you. They've not had, they've not failed forward. They don't, they don't have the questions that you, you can't sleep at night. They don't hold that. They don't carry all of the, the, the questions you have that stir in your spirit about the things that are personal to you, right? They don't carry that. And if it's not their passion, they won't be able to do it for the long haul. Absolutely. Yes. You know, Craig and Krista, there's something you said just now that really brings me back to 2018. Around 2018, I really felt like I needed a mentor. And there were several people in education that I reached out to and they turned me down for whatever reason. Maybe they were too busy. It's cool. You know, people be like, oh, yeah, man, I got you. I got you. But then when you reach out, it's almost like you're bothering them, right? So I had done a lot of work on myself, and I was in Miami. And I was in Miami doing a workshop. And on the second day, an older gentleman that was in the workshop, a teacher, he stayed back. And he said to me, man. This is life class in here, man. It's amazing. But in my head, I'm thinking, I'm not really where I want to be. So I said to him, man, I wish I had a mentor. Now, this guy's older. like He was like 60, veteran teacher, seasoned teacher, wisdom. He looked at me and said, sometimes in life, we're the mentee, sometimes we're the mentor. And you, my friend, are the mentor. And it hit me that even if we don't have everything we need or we think we need, 
right now there are people we can help and we can add value. Eckhart Tolle said this, whenever you're in a situation and if it's not one that's favorable, so Eckhart says this, and he's the author of A New Earth. He says this. Now, not everyone has to believe this, but this is his words. In his opinion, there's no positive or negative. It's the situation that you need for you to get right within. And how do you know that? It's happening to you. So he said, and this is something that I try to live by. Whenever you're in a situation, ask yourself two questions. What am I meant to contribute here? And what am I, and if I can't do that, what am I meant to learn here? And I have found that when I don't do that, I meet that person and that circumstance and that condition again and again and again, because the lesson is repeated till we learn it. I so, so agree with that piece you just said right there. That is like speaking to my soul. <laughs> and I have that book on my shelf. My sister has read it three times and she's like, Krista, you need to read it. I read it 15 times. Okay. So guess what I'm picking <laughs> off of my shelf tonight to start reading. And and I do believe, and, and I think going back to what you said about stress earlier. So we're in life class now, right? <laughs> um, I was married earlier, the the my the father of my boys, and we went through a lot of difficult things. And I was getting stressed and anger was building up. And but I think going back to what you said, things will keep happening until you figure out what you're meant to learn. And I realized like that changed my whole perspective on things. Like I'm not like. I'm meant to learn something here and grow and move. Right. And, and how are we going to harness that piece to keep moving forward and to build and to take those next steps? And I was just having a phone conversation with my dear friend, Jamila Parker, and she was telling me the same thing about the mentors where she, yeah, Craig, yes, you know her. And we were talking on the phone. She just did an amazing Ignite at the New Jersey ASCD conference. And she's like, I put myself out there. It was my first time. I was so nervous. And I'm like, I knew you were going to rock it because she's fabulous. And she says, I can't tell you, though, how many times I meet people who are like, oh, yeah, I'll help you. Send me, you know, we go do mock interviews. We'll do this. And then they never follow through. And so I think then, again, I want to come back to that. When you meet those people who do what they say, who have that integrity, who, and it might not be every week, but they reach back out and they check on you and they fought like, that's really special. And we need, we're all connected. Right. And so, well, I'm saying, right. Like you're all going to agree with me, but that's just kind of my philosophy on things. And so we need to lift each other up in these, in these contexts. And I mean, Craig is one of those people for me. And I hope that I do that for him. I know we had some good conversations. He sends me funny text messages and um, just fills my heart. But I think that is, oh, I'm rambling. I'm just going to oh, be quiet no. now. But I'm touched. This feeling is mutual, just so that you know. Yes. Yes, you do that for me as well. Just so that it's, you know that you hear it. Thank you. Can and I so it's recorded now for posterity. <laughs> <laughs> and I think Craig does it for a lot of people. 
Yes, he's he on my does. Facebook and he's positive energy. You know, he spreads a lot of love, speaks his mind when he wants to. <laughs> and I appreciate that. Yeah. Trying to be a mirror to the degree I can. I, I the, the, I think the work that I'm continuing to do is try to be more authentic and real that it's not all positive. It's not all yeah. roses. Like the journey for me has been one that has has peaks and valleys, but I, what I'm working to do is make sure I give folks their flowers in real time mm-hmm. and do that because I want like George is someone who I've, I've watched and I, I've been like, you know, fandom because the walk is so authentic and there are few few men of color who are doing this in our space and i'm grateful for you uh just it, you know making time and space to do this and krista has always been a great light in my life um and one whom continues to <laughs> talk me off ledges and <laughs> So creates a space where we can talk and share and be, and we don't have to be perfect. I don't have to put on airs. I can just be Craig and Chris is Krista. And that is important. Um, And that's the brave spaces we've built for ourselves. But, you know, I, I'm really wrestling with how do I continue to, at least if, if I'm being honest, how do I do that? So that the gems that I that the gems that I do put out there of here is the challenge, here is the trial I face, that it's done so that it's like I want people to know I'm not perfect. And here's what I'm learning about myself through it all, but not because I'm feeling like I'm trying to put on a master class every time that I talk about the rise and the fall. I just mm-hmm. honestly am trying to put it out there because I'm like. Maybe someone else will learn or take something away from a, a, a issue that I had and mm-hmm. that maybe it'll help them in the end because I don't want them to go through what I went through. Right? Yeah. So for me, um, and I met Alan Antoine from Alabama over the, over the weekend in Portland, amazing educator. And he said to me, he's like, man, that was smooth, you know, just smooth you know, like the whole delivery, right? And the thing is, everyone has issues in their life. And 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 I know me, I'm not this calm all the time, but there's two examples. So I, I read a book called Relentless. It's by Tim Grover. And Tim was Michael Jordan's mental and physical coach in those bulls years. And he was also Kobe Bryant's. So the whole mama mentality thing, that's from Tim Grover. A lot of people don't know that, but, and that all originates from Michael Jordan. And Michael Jordan said this along the lines of, you do your best work when you're at peace. Think about that. You do your best work when you're at peace. And even Kevin Hart, he said the same thing. Like in his book, he says this, I wasn't wanted. My my dad was smooth with my mom, told her some stuff that he didn't mean. You know, he got his way with her. And she found out she was pregnant and she said, man, I'm not ready for this. I don't want to deal with this. She was mad at him. Mm-hmm. So he said, I could tell the story like this. I'm not wanted. 
Or I can tell the story, man, my dad was passionate about my mom and he pursued her with that passion because he just wanted to be with her. And they got together and I was conceived and I was born and they both did the best that they can. So you tell yourself one of those two stories, whichever is going to help you, right? That's one thing. Michael Jordan is another thing. But another thing is this, when you, and only people that have overcome a traumatic experience know this, you have to feel it to heal it. Yes. Can you say that one more time? Just in case it's the past people. Only people that have overcome a traumatic experience know this. You have to feel it to heal it. And what I have found is the same thing you said, Craig. There's stories from my childhood, from my life, which all people have, because every human being experiences emotional trauma, sometimes even psychological trauma, where they're stuck in a difficult emotion and they have PTSD and they need some trauma-informed therapy. But anyone that has overcome something traumatic knows you have to feel it to heal it. And I realize when something doesn't make you cry anymore, you've healed from it. But what you said, sometimes you have to share that with other people because they might need to see that transcendence is possible. So I try to live in those three different spaces. I try not to get overly emotional or highly emotional in in situations that I can't control. I, I try to overcome my hurt, pain, whatever, and then share it because I do realize it's important. But also, I read Rakim's book, you know, the rapper Rakim, and he said that if you look at rappers before him, everyone's hype. The hip, hot, right? Like, everyone is hype. You know, MC Shan was hype. And he said that when he was in high school, he was a quarterback. And as a quarterback, you have to be in control emotionally. And you have to be on point. If you let your emotions get the best of you, you're the leader of the team. You'll overthrow the ball, right? You won't hit your target. So he said, I was rapping the way that I was a quarterback. And when MC Shannon Molly Maul recorded his first demo, they were like, that's not going to work, bro. And he said, well, that's the way I rap. And if y'all don't like it, it's too bad. And he became the blueprint for Coogee Rap, Nas, Big Daddy. Well, I don't want to say Big Daddy came, but all the rappers after that. So when I heard that, I said to myself, man, I need to prepare myself and be in a good mental state and be as smooth as possible. And then Rakim also said that when you start off smooth, you can freak it later on and then get hype as you go along. But if you start off hype, it's like a balloon. Right? Right. It runs out of air. <laughs> so I just said a lot of things, but I think you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. And I just, I want to bring it because I'm staring at these words that I pulled out and that there's a piece that you have uh, a session on tools for understanding and mastering difficult emotions. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I think there is no time like now. Because like you said, we all are experiencing stuff and we need to model and mm-hmm. provide support for our youth yeah. and for each other. And so 
um, I just want to encourage our listeners to go to your website and to check out the amazing resources that are there to help them build their instructional practices, but also their personal well-being and their sense of self. And um, you've dropped so many amazing resources here that we're going to link to along with the resources and ways of getting a hold of you. So um, I feel like, can we do this every couple months and have like a life class? <laughs> well, <here? laughs> well, I do want to say one thing. Um, when I learned SEL and not what we're seeing here, I learned it through a book called Emotional Intelligence 2.0. It's by Dr. Travis Bradbury and Jean Greaves. And I think it's like an extension of, of Daniel Goleman. I think I'm saying that correct. Mm -hmm. um, and I got into it around 2018. And the reason why was because I have, well, at the time I had two, two children that were becoming teenagers or were emerging teenagers. And I realized that I wasn't really doing things right. I would talk a lot, you know, ramble a lot. I would give them feedback that was unsolicited. And our relationship started changing. They started to pay me no, never mind. So I always feel like I need to fill in my knowledge gaps. And like Lao Tzu said, when the student is ready, the master appears. And one day I was reading an article and and Dr. Bradbury talked about emotional intelligence. So I went and got the book. And if you think about it, the purpose of SEL is to help young people develop emotional intelligence skills, self-awareness, social awareness, but also their decision-making skills. So when I learned that about myself and I realized, like I took the appraisal, I got a 74 and it pinpointed everything I had to work on. But I never thought that that would be part of my work in schools. Never. Now, when we did do the PBL workshops through the Buck Institute, we were being trained on restorative practices and circles and things like that, that were part of the workshop, but I never knew where they stem from at the time. Well, when the pandemic hit and SCL now became a big deal, and one of my schools, which I'm going to tomorrow, Hereford County Public Schools, I want to give a big shout out to D. Biggers, Ms. Tammy Ward, and Dr. William Wright. When they said to me, hey, we need to figure out SEL, well, I had a foundation in emotional intelligence. And then we looked at the CASEL work, which is a behavioral framework, right? But SEL can't be all be one size fits all because you have young people that have diverse needs, trauma, they're from different backgrounds, you know, different cultures, all of these things, or they just might need, they might be upset one day or, or be in a fight and they need some restorative justice, right? Or some restorative practices. So we tackled SEL through action research and we created our own framework and the first step of the framework, and this is what I've learned through action research is that emotions precede feelings. Feelings precede mood and mood precedes behavior. Every human being experiences the same emotions, but we experience them based on our life experiences. So if I'm from Queens, New York, which I am, 
And the way I experience fear is going outside and I got to, you know, watch my back, you know, all these kids on my block want to fight. My fear might be different than you, Krista, where you live, you still experience fear, but it's different because our environments are very different. So here's the thing. We have to check our own biases and heal our own trauma by understanding our triggers and how we experience emotions uniquely. And there's three steps. First step is to know what my triggers are and why they trigger me. The second thing is to, is to understand ways of managing it. Might be therapy, might be reading a few books, right? Things like that. But those are important things. And if you don't do that, then how can you do that with kids? How can you now, if you don't have your own emotions in check, how can you now, or understand yourself, how can you now help someone else understand themselves, their environment, and other people? Absolutely. I don't think it's possible. And because of not learning SEL through action research, just maybe reading the book, watching the video, it's a popular thing. SEL has become overdone. And it's become the panacea or a panacea for the problems in schools. And no amount of emotional regulation is going to solve broken systems. SEL, emotional intelligence is for you to manage you, right? It's not, it doesn't solve the problems. And so I think that in a lot of spaces, SEL is not, you know, given the a chance, but it definitely is, I think, a pedagogy that is needed, and I will definitely be making it part of my practice moving forward. I think my hope with building those skill sets, because I'm also, my friend Lori calls me a castle purist, is that when you build those skill sets in yourself and then can connect with other people, you can start changing the system. You feel confident and competent and able to change the systems for the better. So I really appreciate your insights there. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. Well, I, we, you know, have to at some point, you know, close out this conversation with the anticipation that there will be more. Uh, I have to say, like, I, 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 I generally don't go into many conversations with, without a map and feel great. And this one, was spot on. I felt my, my heart warms because there was, there's so much. I cannot wait to actually listen to this one. And this is going to be one of those podcasts I'm going to listen to probably 10 times just because you laid before us so many gems and it's just, a, it, it just feels great to be in space and time with you. So George, uh, I know uh, we're both grateful. It's all because of you, brother. It's all because of you. It was your idea. Thank you. Well, SEL and EDU family, uh, you know, I am absolutely a pure, you know, fandom. My heart is just warm and fuzzy and I'm feeling all kinds of things. This is great. Uh, George Valenzuela has been here with us and um, I am hopeful and we are hopeful that you really invest time into really holding on to what was shared here. This is a gift. 
Thank you for listening to the Lifelong Learning Defined podcast with George Valenzuela.